Hey friends, this is Pastor Jeremy Bass. The Gospel of Matthew in chapter 10, verses 7 through 8 says this. Jesus is saying, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be healed from physical, emotional, and spiritual trauma. In response to this truth, our church takes a monthly intentional Sunday night to ask the Lord to heal us, our community, and our church. We begin in worship, listen to a teaching on healing, and then have an open altar time for intentional prayer. Healing ministry tends to have a reputation of ecstatic shouting, but God's desire to heal us simply comes from His deep love and compassion for us. That love is often so much more gentle than we realize. This is one of our teachings from our Healing and Prayer Night, so let's explore this topic together. I think it's really funny that um, the Lord chose someone who spent most of her life uncomfortable in her own skin to bring a message about comfort. Um, so this whole week I've been talking to God about this message and what do you want me to say? I don't feel qualified to do this. And he said, you know, Emily, I wrote a whole book about comfort. Um, pick a story. Pick your favorite. Pick your favorite comfort story. So I did. Um, and it's, it's been a good week and I'm, I'm ready to share with you. So we're going to be in John 20. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. Um, and while you're doing that, I'm going to open us with a word of prayer. God of all comfort, thank you for your presence here with us tonight. I pray that you would move me out of the way, that you would speak. Let it be your words. Let it be your message. Let it be your comfort that pours out on every soul and heart and mind here. Bring us to a place not only of comfort, Lord, but of peace and confidence in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So before we jump in um, and go straight to the, the, you know, the sweetest part of it, which is the Mary Magdalene part, um, I'll give you the backstory. So early in the morning, Mary Magdalene and some other women who are followers of Jesus go to the tomb and they find it empty. And John writes that Mary Magdalene goes back to tell her, her brothers in Christ that the stone's gone, there's, there's nobody there. Um, and immediately there's confusion. Nobody knows what to do. They're exhausted. They've had a traumatic couple of days where they've witnessed the brutal death of, of their rabbi. And while they were together, now they're kind of separated by this confusion. And so the guys follow Mary Magdalene back to the tomb. And they get there and John and Simon Peter... I'm not going to read this part, but they have this incredibly awesome race um, that John, John lets everybody know that he got there first, which isn't, isn't really that important at all, but it's funny. Um, and so they get there, and Simon Peter looks in the tomb and discovers that the only thing left there are the burial rags that were covering Jesus' body. And then they take off, and they leave Mary Magdalene there on her own. And that's where we pick up the story. We'll be starting in verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. 
As she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. The word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Mary is at the empty tomb, and I found this awesome picture of an empty tomb. And and just a few minutes ago, when the guys looked in there, all they saw was the rags. She looks in and she sees two angels, but it doesn't seem like it registers with her. And why is that? We can hear in her voice when she says, they have taken my Lord away and I don't know where they have put him. You can hear the aloneness that she's feeling in those words. I don't know where they have put him. She's taken all of this on and she's confused. She's exhausted. She probably hasn't slept. And I don't know about you, but um, when I have suffered something traumatic or I've had a bad day or things are just piling up on me, I go to bed. I go to bed and I cry and I cry until my eyes swell. (laughs) And then when I finally stop crying, I have blurry vision and everything seems really confusing. I don't know what time it is. I sometimes forget if I've fallen asleep. Is it the same day or is it the next day? I forget. So when we're confused and all of these things, this trauma, and all of this is piled up, it makes me wonder if that's what part of what Mary was experiencing there when she didn't recognize that those were angels. And they even asked her the question, woman, why are you crying? And then she turns and she sees Jesus and she doesn't recognize him either. And I wonder if maybe part of that is that Jesus has this way of gently appearing when we need him the most. He has this way of not forcing himself upon us, the way that our anger and our shame and all of those things that we're battling with, they force themselves upon us, but not Jesus. He's gentle. And he asks her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? And maybe she doesn't even know at this point. She says that she can't find her Lord, they, have you ever used that word? They, they won't let me do this. They won't, they said this, they said we can't do that. They took this away from me. And so I wonder if we're not a lot like Mary sometimes when we're buried under all of that stuff and we can't see straight. And Jesus is standing right there and all it took was for him to gently say her name and then she knew him. 
and everything turned around from there. I love how um, Pete Gregg, in his book, How to Hear God, which I recommend all of you read, he describes this. He describes the way that Jesus, he says, Jesus is so utterly unremarkable in his appearance, so resolutely not weird in the language he uses, the customs he observes, that for several hours, no one on planet Earth realized this is in fact the resurrected Son of God. He's so just there, not being weird, not forcing himself into her lives, just like he did with Mary. And so after, after he gets Mary's attention by saying her name and she realizes who he is, then he tells her, this is what I'm going to do, and this is what I want you to do. And so that aloneness is gone because he sends her back into community. After he comforts her gently, he sends her to do the same. And so, I mean, it's just the simplicity of, the, of that that I, I think is so beautiful. And I think it's the same with us, that once we're comforted, once we know what that feels like to be comforted by God, that he sends us out to comfort others. And Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. He says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. It's like this beautiful circle of comfort. And that's why we're here tonight, because that comfort doesn't change our circumstances. It doesn't take everything away magically, but it puts us back where we need to be. Because let's face it, we're not seeing comfort lightning, lightning bolts falling from the sky and touching us, you know? We may not see Jesus. He's not invisible. He's unseen. But we know he's there because we feel his presence. And sometimes that comes through the people that he puts us with. So over the last few days, I've been, um, God's really been opening my, my ears to hear other people and, and what they're really saying when I ask them this question, how are you today? Most of the time, it's, I'm fine, I'm good. But the other day, I asked a friend that question, and I fully expected her to say, I'm good, everything's good. And she said, you know what, I feel like I need to be honest with you, Emily, I'm not good. Things are not good. Things are very not good. And she proceeded to tell me how um, her family has been dealing with a change in the dynamic in their house for over a year now and it's taken its toll, they're exhausted. They're confused and they're at a point where they don't know what to do. She told me her husband was very depressed. She told me she didn't know what to say to him anymore that wouldn't set him off. And so in my heart, I felt like the Lord was saying, stop and bring this to me. Turn around and look at me. So we stopped and we prayed. It was a simple prayer, it took about five minutes not even that long. And she was on her way. And then she texted me later that night and she said, I just can't tell you. I had the most incredible feeling of peace come over me on the drive home. And I said, praise God. I hope that feeling stays there. I will continue to pray for you. The next day she said, I don't know what's happening, but the Lord has delivered. The Lord has removed this 
object that was in our way rolled the stone away and that tomb is empty and everything's going to be fine. And I said, well, what did he do? I was so excited. I'm like expecting, you know, that whole lightning bolt thing and all that cool stuff. And she goes, oh, well, we, he, we just had a conversation where we didn't yell at each other. That's huge. That's big. That's God. That's the peace of God in two people's hearts, bringing them together in community so that healing can take place in that family and everything is going to be fine. And so tonight, um, as I close this message, I, I think what the Lord wants you to hear tonight is that something that Jeremy said this morning in his sermon was, very emphatically, it's finished. It is finished. God wrote a whole book about comforting his people. We know this is true. And so tonight, we can step into that truth confidently and receive prayer for our wounds. We can receive prayer from our heartbreak, the confusion that we feel, the, the trauma and the fear and the shame that's still lingering there that was never dealt with. Let's deal with it tonight. Let's look in the tomb and let's see the angels. Let's hear our names together because that's what this community is for. And um, one last little thing. Jason, will you put that up? my scripture. I know that, that God wants to heal you. I know that he wants to comfort you because he says so. In Isaiah 40, verses 1 and 2, he says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sin. So come to Jesus tonight and let him speak tenderly to you. Let him comfort you. Let healing begin. There are people here who want to pray for you. And um, so we welcome you. We welcome you. Jesus stirred your heart through this word, I would encourage you to reach out to myself or our church. Part of the outpouring of this ministry is individual prayer appointments, where we really dig into the situations you're struggling with. We do this with you and a small prayer team. Receive this blessing, friends. Go forward knowing that God loves you, and His desire to heal you is born out of His deep love and compassion for you.